You're listening to The Mystic Show, episode Yes, hello everybody. Welcome to the Mystic Show. I feel like calling it a special edition episode, but it's really not. I'm your host, Chris Curran, and uh, this is the show where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation and consciousness and reality, all the cool and valuable unseen and otherworldly aspects of our lives. You know, the unseen aspect of our lives is the most important. And we don't talk about it very much. So that's exactly why I started this show, to have this discussion about these deeper topics that mean so much to all of us, and and also to include you. You know, the purpose of the show is to for you and I to grow spiritually, although really we're not, we might not be growing as we're listening to the show, but um, we're, we're inspired to practice more, maybe to meditate more, maybe to contemplate more. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. New episodes are released every Friday morning. And uh, actually right now it's Thursday evening. At 10 p.m. local time, and uh, I usually have the episode done by now. And earlier today, I I got ready to record the episode, and just somehow I wasn't feeling it. Um, so I made more notes, and I was thinking about it. I was contemplating it, and uh, and then I had to go do some other things. I had a meeting, a couple different meetings. So here I am, late at night on a Thursday night recording the mystic show which is going to be posted just in a few hours actually um you can hear the show as a podcast in itunes and stitcher and also on TuneIn radio and our website if you haven't been to the website check it out themysticshow.net themysticshow.net and all our previous episodes and you can also sign up for behind the scenes emails it's a weekly email from me you know, with a little, some personal notes of behind the scenes of the Mystic Show. Um, and you also get, when you sign up for the email list, you get this free audio piece called um, Relax with Rumi. It's 49 minutes of relaxing music with uh, me reading selected Rumi quotes over it. Very, very cool, if I do say so myself. And of course, our Sponsor slash partner slash sister organization is Pause Your Life. You ever feel you need to hit the pause button on your life? You know? Actually, there's an old movie I remember seeing on TV one time. I never knew what... I I didn't see the beginning and I didn't see the end. I just saw part of the middle and I never knew what movie it was. But it was some movie where 
like time stopped and the, all the clocks stopped, all the people stopped except for like one or two characters in the movie. Um, but did you ever feel that with your life that things are just nonstop craziness and you just want to like, you know, hit this big red button and everyone in the, in the whole world just freezes and then you can just relax <laughs> and maybe go to the beach you know, of course the ocean wouldn't freeze, wouldn't stop. The ocean's still there. All the animals are still there. Just the humans. <laughs> stop. Um, anyway, pauseyourlife.org. That's the website. Um, and we just had our spring retreat like a month ago. It was really cool. I actually did an episode of The Mystic Show all about that. We went over all the material from the retreat and everything like that. I... I I should know what episode, and I'm going to figure out what episode that was. See, it was episode 129. So, the topic for today's episode is basically the contemplative life, as opposed to the active life. And these are two two different ways to live life and... Um, we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to read a little bit from this book, which has been inspiring me just a bit lately. And the book is called The Cloud of Unknowing. And it was written by a 14th century Christian mystic, and they don't know, who, they don't know the person's name who wrote it. it they remained anonymous somehow. I don't know how that happened, but the author is anonymous, but it's a wonderful work. It's a Christian work, so it mentions Jesus and the Bible and, you know, that kind of stuff. But this is definitely going much deeper into spirituality than typical, you know, surface level religion. Um. So The Cloud of Unknowing is the name of the book. And this this version was translated and edited by William Johnston. I think it came out in, in the late 60s or 70s. Uh, 1973. So I got this book. Um, someone, someone I know had mentioned it, and I started reading it. And it's it's broken up into chapters, and I think there's there's a lot of chapters here. Oh, there's actually another small book at the end of this one. You can hear me flipping through this book. There's 75 chapters in this book. So I read all the way to chapter 16, and it was good. He talks about what the cloud of unknowing is and what the cloud of forgetting is. And also he talks about humility. But starting with chapter 17 and Basically, from chapter 17 to 20, I thought was really interesting. He talks about the contemplative life and the active life. And so I'm going to actually read these sections. So I'll read one section, and then we can talk about it. Um, but first, I want to say that, you know, this idea that there's a contemplative life and an active life, um, you know, you can imagine what they are. The contemplative life is meditation, you know, contemplation, these kinds of things. And 
and also, you know, focusing on spirit or divinity or, you know, whatever, um, the more subtle aspects of our existence. And the other one is the active life, which is, um, doing good, doing good things, helping other people, you know, um, volunteering for good causes, serving other people, that kind of thing. So, and, and by the way, the active life doesn't, does not refer to, you know, the bohemian lifestyle, partying, going crazy and bungee jumping and, and all this, this kind of stuff. That's, that's fine. That, that way of living is fine. And, you know, but, um, the active life that we're going to be talking about is active in, in a spiritual pursuit. So someone who's on the spiritual path, they're, they're actively pursuing spiritual growth. Some people do it in an active way, the active life, and some people do it in a contemplative way. And there's kind of a middle ground, but anyway, we'll talk about that. It reminds me when I, just before I started meditating seriously, I read Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and he mentions the, the four basically original branches of yoga from India. And it's funny because when you talk about the contemplative life and the active life, it reminded me of Raja Yoga and Karma Yoga. So Raja Yoga is yoga of the mind. And Raja basically means king. So it's kind of also known as the king of yogas. But Raja Yoga is just meditation and yoga of the mind, basically. There's, it has nothing to do with the physical body or the physical life or anything at all. And on the other hand, karma yoga, you know, we've all heard karma before, and karma means action. So karma yoga is the active life. Karma yoga is doing things, helping people, you know, being useful, serving other people, doing good things, you know, actively doing good things. And by the way, the other two branches are uh, jnana yoga and bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga is like devotional, where you cultivate love for the divine. And jnana yoga is basically knowledge. So you, you learn more and more and you study to gain spiritual growth. Um, and we're going to... The focal point of... The author's, um, this author, the author of The Cloud of Unknowing, the focus of his, you know, discussion about the contemplative life and the active life is based around a little story of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about that, what happened in that story with Mary and Martha and so that's like the crux of this whole conversation, the active life and the contemplative life. And you'll see what I mean when I read it. So why don't we just jump in? So again, this is chapter 17 from The Cloud of Unknowing. It's like a little more than a page. So I'll read it first and then we can talk about it. Chapter 17. That a true contemplative will not meddle in the active life nor with what goes on about him. 
not even to defend himself against those who criticize him. In the Gospel of St. Luke, we read that our Lord came to Martha's house, and while she set about at once to prepare his meal, her sister Mary did nothing but sit at his feet. She was so intent upon listening to him that she paid no attention to what Martha was doing. Now certainly Martha's chores were holy and important. Indeed, they are the works of the first degree of the active life. But Mary was unconcerned about them. Neither did she notice our Lord's human bearing, the beauty of his mortal body, or the sweetness of his human voice and conversation, although this would have been a holier and better work. It represents the second degree of the active life and the first degree of contemplative life. But she forgot all of this and was totally absorbed in the highest wisdom of God concealed in the obscurity of his humanity. Mary turned to Jesus with all the love of her heart, unmoved by what she saw or heard spoken and done about her. She sat there in perfect stillness with her heart's secret, joyous love intent upon that cloud of unknowing between her and her God. For as I have said before, there never has been and there never will be a creature so pure or so deeply immersed in the loving contemplation of God who does not approach him in this life through that lofty and marvelous cloud of unknowing. And it was to this very cloud that Mary directed the hidden yearning of her loving heart. Why? because it is the best and holiest part of the contemplative life possible to man, and she would not relinquish it for anything on earth. Even when Martha complained to Jesus about her, scolding him for not bidding her to get up and help with the work, Mary remained there quiet still and untroubled, showing not the least resentment against Martha for her grumbling. But this is not surprising, really, for she was utterly absorbed in another work, all unknown to Martha, and she did not have time to notice her sister or defend herself. My friend, do you see that this whole incident concerning Jesus and the two sisters was intended as a lesson for active and contemplative persons of the church in every age? Mary represents the contemplative life, and all contemplative persons ought to model their life on hers. Martha represents the active life, and all active persons should take her as their guide. Okay, so that is chapter 17, and so there's the story, right? Mary is just sitting with Jesus absorbed in some divine attention, you know, and Martha's running around cooking. <laughs> and Martha even says, you know, to Jesus, hey, you know, what's with Mary? Can, you know, she should get up and help. She's just sitting there. 
And this passage struck me because, I mean, there's times in our lives when we're certainly more active and times when we're certainly more contemplative, but, you know, also certain people have a different path. You can sort of see it. Um, some people like being busy. They like, they like to cook, for instance, like uh, Martha here. She just does it. She probably wanted to do it. She does it. She probably does it well. And that's part of her spirituality is doing things and cooking and, and that kind of thing. Um, of course, she doesn't want to do it all herself. But my point is that she's more drawn to the active life. She's more, she wants to do things, right? And then on the other hand, you have Mary who is not really concerned about things like that. She's concerned about keeping her focus and attention and her love completely and a hundred percent on the divine. And we've all been there too, where we don't want to do anything. We just want to contemplate and meditate. Um, But again, some people are just, that's more of their, it's not a personality. It's just more their mode. Again, it's Raja yoga and karma yoga. Some people are karma yogis. They just need to work, work, work. Some people just want to meditate and they don't want to work. They'll let the other people work. So, and it, so now we're going to get into chapter 18, which, uh, yeah. So, so the whole thing about Martha criticizing Mary, meaning the active person criticizes the contemplative person, (laughs) the author is going to talk about that. So why don't we just get right to it then? Although I did have some notes here. Okay, I'm good. So let's go ahead and read chapter 18. Um, and by the way, after chapter 18, I think we'll just take a really quick break. We'll just play, I'll just play like a little soft music for like a minute, just so we can take a break and, and actually uh, contemplate <laughs> what I read. So here we go. Chapter 18. How to this day, active people will criticize contemplatives through ignorance, even as Martha criticized Mary. Just as Martha complained about Mary, so in every age, active persons have complained about contemplatives. How often it happens that the grace of contemplation will awaken in people of every walk and station of life, both religious and lay alike. But when after searching their own conscience and seeking reliable counsel, they decide to devote themselves entirely to contemplation, their family and friends descend upon them in a storm of fury and criticism, severely reproving them for idleness. These people will unearth every kind of dire tale, both true and false, about others who have taken up this way of life and ended up in terrible evils. Assuredly, they have nothing good to tell. It is true that many who seemingly left worldly vanities behind have afterward followed evil ways. 
there is always that danger. These people who ought to have entered God's service as his contemplatives become instead slaves of the devil and the devil's contemplatives because they refuse to listen to the counsel of authentic spiritual guides. They become hypocrites or heretics and fell into frenzies and other wickedness which led them to slander holy church. I hesitate to go on about this right now, lest I obscure our subject. But later on, God willing, if I see it is necessary, I shall tell you some of the causes and circumstances of their downfall. Let us leave the matter for the time being and continue with our subject. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. And by the way, if you want to share The Mystic Show on your social media, go ahead. If you want to, you know, take a link to some of the episodes and put it on your Facebook, you know. Um, there are other people who really want to hear this kind of thing and 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 they just don't know about it. So, So if you like what you're hearing, feel free to share it. And you can also give what helps a lot too in iTunes is uh, if you give our show a rating and a review. So if you happen to use, you know, an iPhone or an iPad or you have iTunes, you can do that as well. Um, we also have something set up where you can contribute a dollar or two uh, per episode to help us uh, produce the show. You can find that information about that on the website, which is themysticshow.net. So... Yes, so we read chapter 18, and right, he talks about this idea that active people will criticize contemplative people for their idleness, right? I'm sure if, if you've ever felt contemplative, I'm sure you had somebody saying, what are you doing? Do something. Get some work done. You're lazy. Um. So that just seems seems to be the way it is, and the author is going to touch on that a little more. Um, so let's let's go ahead to chapter nineteen. A brief apology by the author, in which he teaches that contemplatives should excuse active people who complain about them. Perhaps you feel that I have insulted Martha, one of God's special friends by comparing her to the worldly people who criticize contemplatives or by comparing them to her. To her. 
Really, I meant no offense to either of them. God forbid that I should say anything in this book to condemn any of God's friends of whatever degree of holiness, let alone one of his saints. For actually, I believe we should excuse Martha for complaining, considering the time and circumstances of the incident. She did not realize, then, what Mary was doing. It is not surprising either, for I doubt that she had so much as heard of perfection like this. Besides, she was courteous and brief in her complaint, and so I believe she should be completely excused. Likewise, I think that worldly-minded critics who find fault with contemplatives should also be excused on account of their ignorance, though they are sometimes rude besides. As certainly as Martha was ignorant of what she was saying when she protested to the Lord, so these people understand little or nothing about the contemplative life. The ardor of young God-seekers baffles them. They cannot understand how these young people can cast aside careers and opportunity and set out in simple goodness and sincerity to be God's special friends. I am certain if any of this made sense to them, they would not carry on as they do. And therefore, I believe we should excuse them. They have experienced only one way of living, their own, and can imagine no other. Besides, when I recall the ways I have failed through ignorance, I feel I should have a kindly tolerance for others. Otherwise, I would not be treating them as I wish to be treated myself. Okay, so that's chapter 19. And again, these are small chapters. And by the way, um, if this is your first time listening to The Mystic Show, um, what we're talking about is a Christian story, or I, or just a story about Jesus. Um, but The Mystic Show is not a Christian show. It's not, it's not an anything show. <laughs> it's a nothing show. <laughs> um, we just, we use the various literary works to talk about and to think about. That's all we do. So, I mean, if you're a Christian, that's fine. You know, if you're not, that's fine too. It doesn't matter. So uh, again, hopefully we can look past the story or the origin of the story and get to the, the essence of the story. And that word essence is really, is really good. I mean, spirituality or divinity is really the essence of life. And that's what we're trying to to find or to experience. I guess experience is a better word than find. We don't have to find it. We know where it is. It's in our heart. So this chapter 19, you know, he talks about basically um, excusing the active people who condemn, you know, contemplative people. And again, it's just ignorance. It's it's like people who criticize others, they're just, they don't understand. And even if you explained it to them, they probably would not understand. So there's really nothing to do except excuse them or, you know, forgive them. 
So I think that applies to so many different areas of life in everyday life. So, all right. So let's get to chapter 20. This is the last one we're going to, we're going to read here. Um, this is a short one too. Yep. All right. Chapter 20. That in a spiritual way, almighty God will defend all those for love of him will not abandon their contemplation to defend themselves. I think that those striving to be contemplative should not only pardon all who complain about them, but be so occupied with their own work that they do not even notice what is said or done around them. That is what Mary Magdalene did, and she is our model. If we follow her example, Jesus will surely do for us what he did for her. And what was that? You recall that Martha urged Jesus to reprimand Mary, to tell her to get up and help with the work. But our blessed Lord Jesus Christ, who discerned the secret thoughts of every heart, understood perfectly that Mary was deep in loving contemplation of his divinity, and so he himself took her part. With a gentle courtesy befitting his goodness, he answered for her, because for love of him, she would not leave him long enough to answer for herself. And what did he say? Martha had appealed to him as judge, but he answered as more than a judge. He spoke as Mary's legal defender because she loved him so much. Martha, Martha, he said. He called her name twice to be certain that she heard him and would stop long enough to pay attention to what he was about to say. You are busy and troubled about many things. This indicates that active persons will always be busy and concerned about countless diverse affairs pertaining first of all to themselves and then to their fellow Christians, as love requires. He wanted Martha to realize that her work was important and valuable to her spiritual development. Lest she conclude, however, that it was the highest work possible, he added, But only one thing is necessary. And what do you suppose this one thing is? Surely he was referring to the work of loving and praising God for his own sake. There is no work greater. Finally, he wanted Martha to understand that it is not possible to be entirely dedicated to this work and the active work at the same time. Everyday concerns and the contemplative life cannot be perfectly combined, though they may be united in some incomplete fashion. To make this clear, he added, Mary has chosen the best part, which shall never be taken from her. For the work of perfect love, which begins here on earth, is the same as that love, which is eternal life. They are but one. 
All right. So that's chapter 20. And right. So Mary, she didn't even hear what Martha was saying, or she, she paid no mind to Martha and her complaint. So in, in, in her stead, Jesus speaks up and he's very, you know, soft and kind and truthful with Martha, right? He says, Martha, Martha, you are busy and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the best part, which shall never be taken from her. So he says only one thing is necessary. And that's this idea of being, well, well, he says right here, uh, loving and praising God for his own sake and being absorbed in that. And this is interesting because it's similar to what the Gita says as well the Bhagavad Gita, which in which Lord Krishna tells Arjuna that, you know, you should take action, but you should not expect rewards from your action, or you should not worry about the fruit of your labor. He said, just take the action and leave, leave the result to God. And it's kind of similar here that that um, being absorbed in a divine state, loving and praising God for his own sake, and being in that spiritual mindset or that, that uh, what should I say, condition, is, you know, that's where, I want to say that's where we're supposed to be, <laughs> Uh, but that's that's the place we have to be to really grow spiritually. And we're all sort of working our way there, and, and we're not all the way there yet. Sometimes we're there, but not all the time. And um, and he's, so then Jesus also said, Mary has chosen the best part, which shall never be taken from her. You know, and then the author adds... For the work of perfect love which begins here on earth is the same as that love which is eternal life. They are but one. And it, it reminds me of, uh, of my spiritual guide telling us, you know, sure, you know, attain wealth, but make sure it's the wealth that you can take with you. <laughs> so in the spiritual field, we should progress and become wealthy spiritually, right? Because that we'll be able to take that with us. And and words don't do justice to all this, right? I mean, the things I'm saying, they seem so theoretical and, you know, unprovable. But these are these are the teachings of the masters. And this is what we're learning. So so I hope some of what I talked about was somewhat helpful. I think it raises some good questions about living a contemplative life. I think if you're listening to this show, and if you're still listening to this episode, you're definitely at least halfway in the contemplative life. And so we're going to come up against criticism, and we're going to have to become so absorbed 
in the in div- divinity so that we don't even know what's going on around us. We may know on a superficial level, but we won't get sucked in by it. So, as you move through the rest of your day and your weekend, maybe you can contemplate some of this stuff. And you can comment on the website as well if you have any questions or comments about this. You know, I don't... I'm not the last word on any of these subjects, so I'd really like to hear from you. So, themysticshow.net. That's the website. So until next time, keep shining.